I'll again remind you to take note of the lectionary scripture selections that are on the front of your bulletin. Um, We're going to be switching back and forth throughout this time in uh, uh, East. We call this time Eastertide in the life of the church. Um, And so in Eastertide, last week I did a gospel lesson. This week I'm going to do Acts. Next week we're going to hear from 1 Peter. But it's all good stuff. And so um, if you can take note of that and maybe read it on your own, I think you would be better for it. So um, we are now at Acts 2 in the 42nd chapter and beyond. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home, and they ate food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now take note that this is Acts 2, the second chapter of Acts. Y'all ought to know what happens in the second chapter of Acts, do you? It's the day of nothing, Pentecost. Most of the second chapter of Acts is describing what happens on Pentecost when Peter goes in to what was then a Jewish celebration And tells them the story of Jesus. And in every preacher's dream, his congregation goes from being a ragtag bunch of little old fishermen who were falling around a crazy preacher man to a megachurch of 3,000 people. Right, Frank? Who among us would not want to preach a sermon like that? And so there are these 3,000 people now newly converted to following Jesus. And they look around at one another and say, hey, what do we do now? Now what happens? And the book of Acts offers us in many different places a sort of idealized look at what could or should be happening with the gathering of followers that now follow Jesus, that will soon become known as the church. And this is really cool, what happens here. Because if we follow it, then good things happen. But that's not why we should do it. And so we have here this beautiful, beautiful text of how the people of God, the body of Christ, are to come together and what we're to be when, we're, when we are together. 
Now, I've got to give you some history here, so maybe you get this. This is the original church, right? This is the earliest church there was, because Peter preaches on Pentecost, and immediately, this group of people, this band that we later learn is 3,000 people, start figuring out how to be Christian together, how to be a church, how to be gathered as a community together. And there are four things that this text tells us that we're there to do. When take note of this, though, because later on in the 16th century, John Calvin says, you know John Calvin, founder of all good Presbyterians. John Calvin says that there are three marks of the church and that they are the word rightly preached, the sacraments rightly administered, and discipline rightly meted out. And then what they do is they go back to this text and say, yeah, 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 that's scriptural. And it sort of is because it's teaching, teaching of the apostles, which is Listening to the word of God. And it sort of is because it's the right administration of the sacraments, which is, can, be, can be understood to be the breaking of bread together, right? When we come here, one of the things we say is Jesus broke bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. But that, of course, is only one sacrament. All these people got baptized very quickly. And then the third thing is the right administration of discipline. And that one's harder to get out of this text. But they kind of twist it around to say, yeah, it's in there somewhere. You know, they were living in community, and you can't live in community if you're not disciplined. And you can't live in community if you don't know one another. And if somebody's not watching out for you, and et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of how it goes. That's the 16th century interpretation of that, okay? But this isn't, wasn't written in the 16th century. It was written in the 0th century. And so we get from this... I think, a more genuine understanding of what we as Christians are supposed to do together. It's really an awesome and simple word for us today. If we pay attention to it. And it's great stuff, right? I mean, what we are to do, what they devoted themselves to, was... The teaching of the apostles. Well, what's that? Teaching of the apostles. What were they telling? They didn't have a Bible together then, but they were telling the story of Jesus. They were telling the same story that Peter told in the text earlier in first in in Acts two that got them to get to convert to Jesus in the first place. It's pretty remarkable stuff. And then they're telling also that they must fellowship. Why is that important? 
because you can't be a Christian alone. This is one of the only world religions where you can't do it on your own. Somebody's going to say to me, so I I don't have to read the Bible in the morning when I get up and pray? No, I didn't say that. I'm saying that the importance of us coming together in fellowship with one another is critical to helping us along in our beliefs and in what we know and who we know that God is for us. And they really had to fellowship then because the world around them was so different. Everything was brand new for them. And then what? To the breaking of the bread and prayers. Now here's the thing about this. I don't think, based on what I've learned, that the breaking of the bread in this text is referring to a sacrament. I think it's talking about the churches, that fellowship of believers, that 3,000 people that were, born, were joined together to hear the word of God and to fellowship with one another and to learn, then broke up into smaller divisions. They had what we might call now house churches. Small groups of people who came together and what did they do? Like every good Presbyterian and Methodist, they ate. They ate. And why? Because there's something glorious and intimate about eating together. My mother hates to watch the Big Bang Theory on TV because she says, every time you see those people, they're eating. She says, why are they always eating? Because that's when the most valuable conversations happen. It's how you get to know the characters around you. My dear friend Tammy Cruz, she eats for fuel. You go to eat with her, she'll take at least half of her food home and give it to some homeless person that she meets. Because she doesn't need it, she just wants the fuel. For me, when I eat, it's, a, it's an event. Right? I mean, it's an event. I want to celebrate. I want to smell it. I want to enjoy it. I wanna, and I want people there with me to do that. And I think that's what they were doing. That it talks about them doing this in love and gratitude and generous hearts, praising God. It was their place of joy. To have people in their homes coming together. And then it says, and the prayers. Now, every day these people were in the temple because they hadn't yet, as Christians, separated themselves from the Jews and the temple. And so they went every day to pray. Some of you probably know some little old person probably a very good little old Catholic person who goes to Mass every morning at some ridiculously early hour, like 7 or 6 or 8 a.m. Numbers I don't know. And prays. They go to Mass. And if you talk to those people, they will tell you that their day just isn't right if they haven't done that. 
These are people that are committed to the basic tasks of the church. And yes, the church is a human invention. But it was not something dreamed up by the apostles to enforce rules or hammer home religious doctrine or pile up responsibilities on overtaxed lives. It was something designed to bring people closer to God so that they might know Jesus better and so that they might be able to follow and come closer to the God they loved. Listen to this from a scholar. I love this. Yes, this is idealized. Because some of you are saying, that's great, but we could never do that. Yes, you could. Just because an assertion might be idealized or hyperbolic does not mean that it can be easily dismissed. Acts anchors humanity's deepest hopes for community justice, generosity, and meaning specifically as a result of people coming to embrace the crucified, risen, and glorified Christ as God's designated agent, as the particular means by which God institutes and exercises God's reign with creation. Do not assume that this passage celebrates community of the church for its own sake. The community of faith exists as an, ex- as an extension of the ascended Lord Jesus' commitment to bring salvation to the world. The virtues of justice, worship, and mutuality are not accomplishments of ordinary folk. They are signs of the spirit within a community of people who understand themselves as united in purpose and identity, not a dispersed collection of individual churchgoers. So how about it? This particular author that I just wrote goes on to say, if you can't find your joy in your church, first of all, go somewhere else. And second of all, look at yourself. Because perhaps you've gotten your priorities out of whack. Justice, worship, and mutuality are things that help us know our purpose and identity as a community. We hope that we move forward together to make our world a better place. And as we do, we find joy and excitement and love. And this text uses the word awe. I love the word awe. We find awe. When was the last time you just looked around and were in awe? By the way, their possessions, their finances are also a part of this early church. I'm just going to leave that there. Dear friends, we have the plan, the outline for what we as a community are to do. 
pay attention to the teachings, the Word of God, fellowship with one another, break bread together. And pray. That is what we are called to do. And from there, the sky's the limit. Thanks be to God. Amen.